Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. This is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Jesus Christ, not through legalism, not through works, but through his grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the truth of God's word. So whether you're a grandma, a student, a stay-at-home mom, an entrepreneur, a coffee lover, or a tea drinker, you are welcome here. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. We're back. Oh my gosh, so much is going on in our world right now. And I just really wanted to zoom in and root us again in this idea of identity in Christ alone. Not only identity in Christ, but not identifying with our sin or or for that matter, in a different episode, we're going to talk about not identifying in things that God did not ask us to bear, whether it was our sin. We, when we talked about recovering the church, there was a mention between my exchange with Melinda about how Christ bore our sin on the cross, not just the sin we committed, but the sin done against us. So when we talk about finding identity in our sin, or when sin becomes our identity, it's not just the sin we choose to commit. That maybe we're not even identifying as sin, even though the Bible clearly is identifying it as sin. But the sin that was done to us, this victim mentality that we are a victim of other people's actions and we must live our lives as such because that has become our identity. So we have this dual struggle in our culture right now where the sin we commit becomes our identity, a stronger identity than even we have in Christ or the sin committed against us becomes our identity. Both are wrong. Both go against God's word. And we're going to dive into that today. We're going to jump in first to John 15, 1 through 5. Now, there was another episode that I did with Rebecca Gum about this, where we went extensively into seasons and vineyards. And this is a lot of what we discussed during that time. So if you haven't heard that episode, it is episode 13 with Rebecca Gum, and it's called The Seasons of Barrenness. So check that one out for a more detailed talk on what it means, what the metaphor is really talking about, and, and just vineyards in general to really understand what it is Jesus is, is plugging people into. Okay, here we go. John 15, 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is clearly clearly talking about Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is explaining without me you will bear no fruit without being and abiding in the father in Jesus and having the Holy Spirit in our lives we cannot bear fruit we cannot be kingdom producers we cannot produce kingdom wherever we go right in the Lord's Prayer it says our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we can't do that if we aren't abiding in Jesus. So that right there is talking about our identity as Christians. Who who do we not only identify with, but who do we link up with? See, our identity is linked up to something. It must only be linked to Jesus if we're Christians. Nothing else. The world will use what is a Trojan horse to get us to go along with every little movement that comes our way. But if we don't pull back and go, whoa, I'm linked to Christ. I don't know that this thing is linked to Christ. Then we will be duped left and right our whole lives, tumbling, 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 tumbleweeds, just wherever the wind will blow us. That is not what we're called to do. Okay, we're going to go into Galatians 2. 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, so right there. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So look, this isn't about me. This is about Jesus. See, I laid myself down when I decided to follow Jesus. And I realized a lot of us, we don't want to lay ourselves down. That's a daily pruning process, right? Going back to that vineyard analogy. All right. So now we're going to jump into second Corinthians five, 17. And yes, you're going to hear my Bible pages rattle. Why? Because I, I like, I like paper. All right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he is committed to the message of the reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are to become the righteousness of God through Christ. We can't do that on our own. There's no way. No amount of goodness, niceness, sweetness. See, again, we go back to that good comparison. Who are we comparing ourselves to? Uh, Christ is who we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to. We can't possibly achieve that without the Holy Spirit. And no, I'm not saying we'll ever achieve that. However, for us to give up, to not even strive for it, literally goes against God's word. We are crucified with Christ. Our old life has been crucified. We now pick up our cross and we follow him. All right, now we're going to dive into Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. All right, I'm going to read that in the NIV as well, because that can be something people get a little confused on. The word predestined trips people up, right? We are not predestined, meaning that like our lives We ourselves are not puppets where God is sitting there and saying, well, no matter what you do, you're predestined to do this. It's saying this was always his plan. Once we fell away and he knew we were going to fall away, his plan was reconciliation through Christ. All right, I'm actually going to read it out of the message. I like the message as a complimentary version to maybe the ESV. I've actually shied away from the NIV, not that I don't like it, but the ESV... Obviously, the King James Version, if you're into being that formal, it's a nice complimentary uh, version to maybe explain things in a more thorough way. But but I truly believe it was never intended to be all on its own and you're never actually reading other versions to get the full picture. Romans eight twenty nine through 30. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. 
He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Let's let's read that again. We see the original and intended shape of our lives in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And he called them by name. He set them aside on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously competing what he had begun. Okay, God's reconciling us back to him through Christ. And as he's doing this, as he's achieving this through Christ, when we decide to follow Christ, then we are constantly being shaped and molded to be more like him. So again, going back to that sin, we aren't going to be sinning. Why? Christ didn't sin. Will we make mistakes in sin? Yeah, but we shouldn't be out there doing it intentionally. And we certainly shouldn't embrace any lifestyle that's going to promote sin and a lifestyle that promotes sin because we've taken on sin as identity, whether again, it's our choosing or it's been put on us is not what Christ did. And it is not as Christians what we are called to do. All right. First John 3, 1. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And it continues to not know him. So why in the world are we trying to listen to people who don't know God? They don't understand what it means to follow God. They mock those that follow God. We are taking on far too much of what our culture is telling us. Because let's be frank, we are biblically illiterate. Not only do we not read our Bible, even if we do read our Bible, we often just cherry pick what it is we want to read, throw that together, and sort of make our own new theology. That has been done in the church for decades and decades. This is nothing new. I have sat around tables of people who call themselves Christians, and they are literally tempting the others to sin. This is not a joke. And they will say to, it's just the most twisted thing, but they will basically justify the sin through, through a, a warped view of scripture because they do know scriptures, but they've cherry picked them to weave this warped thing. And in my opinion, a lot of times it's for them, understandably, to justify their sin or the sins of others and to entice other people to sin. That's what children do. Children taunt you and try to get you to do bad things or taunt you, do it, do it, do it. And in a weird way, Christians do the same exact thing. They do these, the same exact thing. I've seen it done in very sophisticated circles. And it is the most bizarre thing. It is absolutely, it's childish. But they do it in such a cerebral or sophisticated way. It comes across as justifiable. It's, it's, and the truth is, the core of it is demonic. That is what Satan did to Jesus in the desert. He tempted Jesus. He used passages of scripture to tempt Jesus to sin. And Jesus came back at him with the true interpretation of scripture and rebuked him. But see, as Christians, we don't know enough scripture sometimes to know how to rebuke a lie from our fellow brother and sister who, to be fair to them, may not know that they're lying to you. They've heard a sermon 
that was not based in truth, or they heard a someone say something on Instagram, or they saw a meme, or they've heard a saying, or they've basically gone along with culture and used the cultural lens to interpret scripture instead of the Holy Spirit. And they are telling you a lie. And because we don't know enough about the word, we don't rebuke them. Or maybe we just know, man, something's off about that. But again, we don't come back around. I'm just going to put a little bookmark here and let you know if there is something someone is telling you is scriptural and you get a check in your spirit, it is justifiable, understandable, and perfectly acceptable to say, you know, there's something off about that. Do you mind if we continue this discussion another time? I'd love to read up on that. But that isn't the whole truth. It sounds good. And there's a half truth there. Again, like Satan was doing half truths to Jesus in the desert. But when you fill in the whole truth, that half truth is clearly a lie. So when you are being tempted by fellow Christians to lie under the guise of scripture, and you know it, come on, just call them out on that in a loving way. And be brave enough to say something's off about that. The Holy Spirit's checking in my spirit. Something's off about that. I would love to continue this conversation. Let's go read our Bibles and get back to me on that. Most of them will back down and be like, what? Read your Bible. I just heard what? But if they're truly like, oh yeah, let's do that. That would be great. Awesome. God is inviting you both into learning more about his word. Okay, let's jump back in. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Sons and daughters of God do not act like orphans. We aren't scared and fearful survivors that simply will not receive and accept discipline. See, people want to say, oh, I've been adopted of God. I get all the blessings. You absolutely do. And you get all the discipline and you get all of the calling out to higher standard. See, I don't look at my boys and go, well, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. I'm your mom. I'll I'll give you all the candy you want. No, no, no. See, he's our father, not our grandpa. He's our father. And our father will discipline us. He will call us into higher and higher standard. He will wake us up in the middle of the night if he needs our help. Or he'll wake us up in the morning to so-called do our chores, right? If we're asking to sit at the foot of the father, we're going to learn things that hopefully we won't choose to ignore. And we're going to follow those. Okay, Leviticus, way back in Leviticus. Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You're going to be holy because I am holy. Now, in the book of Leviticus, he does go on to give quite a few Levitical laws. Those were to keep people clean and holy, right? He's setting a boundary for them. And he's saying, hey, you can live in this boundary, but don't jump the fence. Here's where we go wrong. We think when Christ came, he started from scratch again, and that his grace, love, mercy erased all the things God had ever said. And we get a new gospel through Jesus Christ. That is not what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to over." turn the law, I came to fulfill it. So through Christ, yes, many things that maybe we used to have to do, such as sacrificing animals on an altar, we don't because he is the ultimate sacrifice. He took that on. He took on our sin so that that sacrifice no longer had to be done. But the sacrifice that does have to be done is the laying down of us, the pruning. See, we don't like to be pruned. We don't like the idea of dying to ourselves. We don't. Who likes that? Who wakes up in the morning and goes, man, another day to die to self. I can't wait. I can't wait to hold my tongue on Instagram when I see things that go against God's word or against my opinion. 
I can't wait to love someone who despises me. I can't, man. You know what's going to be so fun today is when I want to eat a donut, I'm going to eat a salad because that donut is death to my body, but that salad is life. Yes. I can't wait, you guys. It's going to be the best. No one does that. No one does that. No one does that with sexual sin. No one does that with food. Like, I love how we, again, we have this like sin ranking, right? It's like, well, I don't sleep around with people. So it's perfectly fine for me to overeat and ignore my body and and feed it death. That's not okay with God. And I'm not calling anyone out. I'm simply using things in my life that I've often used as justification for sin because it's sin because he's dealt with me on it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to. And I stop my foot and I just do what I want. And he's like, okay, well, I'm your dad. And I've set this boundary for you and your body. I'm calling you to a greater purpose in life. If you're going to be my kid, this is the house rules. So we can't live in God's house and, and disobey the rules. <laughs> Sorry, no. Maybe for a small amount of time until we're mature enough. Then once we just kind of flip him the bird and do whatever we want, he's like, well, you got to go. And that's just how it is. Now, again, I'm not getting into eschatology or end of times or hell heaven. I'm just saying we must abide in him in order for him to abide in us. We must live our lives as Christians plugged in only to him. Okay, everybody, that is part one of when sin becomes our identity. We do have a part two coming out tomorrow, but we wanted to break this up into two pieces so that we have time to digest it, all of us as a group, right? Think about it, mill it over, look up those scriptures, really delve deep. Ask God, what am I struggling with God that I think is my identity? I think it's actually how I'm wired, maybe. I think it's okay. I think it's acceptable. I think it's no big deal. And whether it's it's a sin that we've attached to identity or just a distraction that is keeping us from his true identity that he wants us to walk out, ask for God to expose that and then get ready because you're going to be dying to some self. It is the most painful, awesome thing to transform into what God has always made you to be. The thing is, is anything that God has not called us to be or has not designed us to be, why would we want to be anything less? But the world says to settle for less. They say it in a very enticing way. They ask you to settle for less in incredibly enticing ways. It sounds so good, but ultimately they're asking you to settle for less than what God has called you to be and do. And we don't want that. So I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you so much for these women, maybe even for men that are listening, for teenagers, for grownups, for grandmas. No matter where we're at in our life, we don't want anything that isn't you. We don't want anything in our life that you have not called us to be. Help us to be patient, kind, generous, not only that, but help us to breathe life and honesty through truth in, in our lives, including our own lives. Let us be honest with ourselves and stop taking on the lies of this world. Stop looking in a funhouse mirror that they have put in front of us. And, and we want to just look into the reflection of Jesus and see, wow, I don't want to fall short. I'm falling short and I want to only see Jesus. I want people to see Jesus when they look at me. So strip away anything that isn't of you. God, we're ready to take on this battle. We're ready to go through your training. We're ready to exercise in our spirit and our bodies to line up with the word of God the way you want us to. It is a hard process, but at the end, there is victory. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. Thank you for preparing our hearts and our minds to be parents, 
to be loved ones, to be daughters, sisters, wives, grandmothers, aunts, leaders, business owners, all of it in Jesus name. Amen. All right, ladies, until next time. If you liked this podcast, we would love for you to share it with a friend. We're found on all major podcast platforms at Strong Christian Female. We're also found on Instagram at Strong Christian Female. Let people know about it. Send us questions, make suggestions, or just comment on our Instagram page. We would love to get to know who you are as a person, not just someone who's in our group, but we want to engage. We want to make this platform something where women can go and talk about the real, raw, honest walk with Jesus Christ. We want to call people out in love and encourage them every step of the way. So again, strong Christian female on Instagram and let people know about this podcast by sharing it to your social media page or just direct messaging it to people. Again, we'd love to hear from you and we'll see you soon.